Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. Today, we are joined by Dr. John Neustadt, founder and president of Nutritional Biochemistry Incorporated and published author of over 100 medical articles and four health and wellness books. His most recent book is Fracture Proof Your Bones, A Comprehensive Guide to Osteoporosis, which is the topic of our conversation today. Dr. Neustadt shares the importance of lifestyle in reversing and preventing osteoporosis and specific supplementation that can help keep our bones strong and healthy. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to have this conversation, as I already said before we hit record, because we really haven't done an episode dedicated to bone health. And um, as you already know, it is part of my personal journey in my family as well. Um, and not in the way people may think, you know, people think bone health and they think older adult. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about all of it, but you have such an interesting way you came to focus on bone health and nutritional supplements. So I'd love to hear a little bit of your journey. I am guessing when you were, you know, 12, this isn't what you thought you'd be doing. Not only when I was 12, but uh, <laughs> when I was 25 and, and 28 and, I I came across this out of out of need. My one of my mentors in medical school and one of the founders of of my university, uh, Dr. Bill Mitchell, said to me that if you listen to your patients, they will tell you what they need. And I was in clinical practice, and I started working with. Uh, people with osteoporosis, they were just coming to me. It's not as if I had some specialty in that area at the time. And I was doing what I was taught to do. And I thought I was doing a great job because their bone density was going up. I was working with them uh, through integrative medicine. I was helping them with diet, lifestyle, nutritional supplements, recommending medications when uh, they seemed appropriate. And my mother-in-law has osteoporosis. And I was helping her a little bit. Um, there's always, it's, it's always challenging waters when you uh, have a, a family member as a patient. Uh, and I also learned early on to, to stop doing that and <laughs> avoid that <laughs> it's not dynamic. <laughs> uh, but I was giving her some recommendations for some you know, nutrients that the clinical trials support and dietary recommendations and exercise, th those sorts of uh, friendly advice. And she had her physician she was working with who had her taking Fosamax. Her bone density was going up. So her doctor was happy. She was happy. I was happy. And then she tripped on a throw rug in her house and broke her hip. And I thought to myself, something's wrong here. What's wrong with this picture? So I dove into the research. And what I found is that the nearly myopic focus, just solely focusing on that number on the test, that bone density test number, which is how conventionally it's 
treated and even how integrative doctors also and integrative practitioners typically think about working with people with that disease. Focusing just on that number on the test and thinking you're doing a good job is leaving people dangerously unprotected. What the research shows is that a bone mineral density test only predicts 44% of women with osteoporosis and only 21% of men who will break a bone. And that's the most dangerous thing about osteoporosis. It's not the danger is not the number on the test. The danger is, are you going to fracture? And that test or any recommendation, any test is only as valid and helpful as it can predict your fracture risk and only recommend, and, and, and any recommendation is only as valid as it can reduce your fracture risk. And what we know with the dangers of osteoporosis is that every 30 seconds, someone with osteoporosis is breaking a bone. In fact, globally, it's second only to cardiovascular disease as a global health risk and issue. If you're a 45-year-old woman, your risk of an osteoporosis fracture is greater than your combined risk of breast, uterine, and ovarian cancer. And if you happen to break your hip with osteoporosis, there's up to a 36% chance that you're going to be dead within a year. And half of those patients who survive never regain their full pre-fracture level of mobility and pain-free lifestyle and ability to join their enjoy their life. So I became obsessed with, with really understanding not just what's going to change the number on the test, but how can I educate people, teach people, and create information and resources that actually not just promote healthy bone density, but maintain strong bones as indicated by reducing fractures in clinical trials and educate people that those are the questions they need to ask, what to ask their doctor, how to create a holistic plan for themselves and the, the, the resources that I can provide them to do that. Wow. And I love the, it, it's so not surprising to me, the, the traditional Western approach and even in the integrative world um, is, you know, a number on a test because yeah. that's, that's the whole problem, right? It's like the, this, you know, bone density, an absence of all the rest of your health information, right? How strong are you? How stable are you? How's your balance? Um, and I, I want to, We'll get to, I know we're going to get to it, but I, I want to add the, the, you know, those numbers of later in life, especially for women post, you know, menopausal women. Um, it, it's only if you do nothing, right? So we're not never doom and gloom. And that's what your, your book is about. Um, and that's what you're all about is like, wait, we're whole people and diet, movement, lifestyle, connection, community, all the things that make a, a healthy person also shocker, make strong bones. Yeah. And it's, and it's hope based on the science. Right. It's not pie in the sky hope. These no. are what the, this is what the research supports is the best way to not only uh, promote your bone health, to protect yourself, but all of these integrative and holistic things that I talk about in my book, Fracture Proof Your Bones, also help reduce your risk for cardiovascular disease, dementia, cancer, all-cause mortality, uh, you know, diabetes, and on and on and on because it's yeah. diet, it's lifestyle, it's exercise. 
and all of the systems in the body are connected. So if you're doing something that's healthy for your bones, you're going to be doing something that's healthy for your heart and your brain also. Yes. And, and that connection of, you know, exercise is essential for cognition and preventing cognitive decline. I, I mean, there's, you cannot, again, we're, we're whole integrated humans and, and we need its quality of life. I say this all the time. I didn't, I didn't think I would be here having conversations at almost 55. Um, and, but I, I don't want to just be here to be here, right? I want to be mobile. I want my brain to work. I want to enjoy my family and the things that I love to do. Um, so quality of life and health span is, that's what we're talking about. And, and if your brain works, but your body doesn't, or your body works, but your brain, I mean, all the things. Um, and so I, I really, this is why I got so geekily excited for our conversation today, um, because it. It, it's, we, it's another area where the conversation needs to change. And that's what you're doing for us is educating us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like the bone is more than just min, uh, minerals. If we're, and that's what the bone mineral density test detects. It detects how many, how much mineral minerals, how much minerals, how many minerals, the quantity of minerals <laughs> that, that somebody has, thank <laughs> you, has in their bone. I don't really talk about it usually that way, but you know, the amount of minerals somebody has in their bone. But if it were only minerals, it would be like a column of chalk and be brittle. So there are uh, over 200 different proteins in bone. Bone also produces our blood cells, our red blood cells, our white blood cells for our immune system and our platelets. It does, it produces some hormones and it has hormone receptors. There are actually serotonin receptors in bone and melatonin receptors uh, in bone. So it's a complex, important tissue uh, in our in our body. And I, the more there's a chapter in my uh, in my book called uh, I think Miraculous Bones. I mean, they're, they're miracles. The more I learned about them, the more I gained an appreciation. I mean, it's just they are incredible. Well, and they're they're alive, right? So they're you know, alive, we we yeah. tend to think of we only see bones usually, hopefully, when they're no longer in the body. Some of us you, sometimes you see them when you shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but that's so important. And I, I already touched on hormones. So let, let's kind of go there. You know, we, we think, okay, maybe some people think, you know, young adults, your bones are, you're fully formed, you're done, right? Those are the bones you have for the rest of your life. But we're always should, could always be building bone and always tearing bone down. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I really do think that most people are unaware of that, that this is an ongoing process throughout life. Absolutely. That's crucially important. So uh, men and women gain their peak bone density in about their 20s. So, you know, 20 to 29, 25 to 29, so somewhere around there. And then the conventional wisdom and, you know, what we learn in medical school is basically it's a one-way street from there downhill. You're losing about half a percent of bone density per year in in women in particular, and I'll, I'll explain why women yeah. uh, lose. We bone always density. we it's always us. <laughs> Sorry about that. For the same reasons, though, it's okay. We also can you know carry babies, so it's but okay. it can be reversed. So yes. so, but what happens is that that's not accurate in terms of that it's a one way street. Bone is a living tissue. Uh, bone is constantly being old bone broken down and new bone built up in a process called bone remodeling. About every 10 years, you actually have all new bone. Bone has turned over. What happens is osteoporosis is essentially 
a disease of imbalance. The destructive forces are winning. And when you have balance between the bone building cells called the osteoblasts and the, 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 the cells that break down old worn out bone called osteoclasts, your bone health is, is not changing. It's, it's stable. As we go through puberty, as we're growing and bones are getting, you're getting more bone. Well, the, uh, there's more osteoblast activity building bone and less, relatively less osteoclast activity. And then what happens as we age, that balance shifts and the destructive forces of the osteoclast take over. And that's when you start getting bone breakdown. There are lots of things that contribute to that. Some are in our control, some are not in our control. One of the, the, the biggest things that I see talking about that is in our control is medications. Mm -hmm. There is a long list of medications that uh, destroy bone and create osteoporosis and increase the risk for fractures. Now, you, people need to be on medications. If you need to be on one, then you should stay on it. But it's important. It is, it is, I consider it a modifiable risk factor because in sure. many cases, through integrative approaches, you can either decrease the dose or get off the medication altogether or switch to a safer one. And I'll give you two examples. So some of the most commonly prescribed medications out there are antidepressants and acid blockers. Mm -hmm. Both of those categories of medications destroy bone. As I mentioned, there are serotonin receptors in bone. So people taking any medication that artificially increases serotonin, so that's like Prozac, uh, Lexapro, Wellbutrin, those sorts of medications, they increase osteoclast activity, they increase bone breakdown. And so much so that there have been multiple studies and looking at the body of, of research that's out there, the, the authors concluded that for women taking uh, this category of medications, like an SSRI medication, mm -hmm. for one to five years, for every 19 women taking one, we would expect one to fracture. That's how dangerous they are for bones. And yet most doctors aren't aware of that. They don't know about that. They're well-intentioned, but they just aren't up on the research. The other category of medications, the acid-blocking medications, taking one of those, specifically like a Prilosec, a proton pump inhibitor, which are available over the counter, continuously over time raises your fracture risk. It, it, it damages bone. So much so that the longest study was four years. And after four years, it increased the risk of a hip fracture by 60%. Wow. And the first FDA warning about that medication that went out, a letter by the FDA about that category of acid-blocking medications and its ability to destroy bone and create fractures was went out and was released by the FDA in 2010. So this is not a new issue. And with those acid-blocking medications, half of them are prescribed just for acid reflux. Right. And we know that simple dietary changes right. can, in many cases, completely stop the acid reflux. And people well, don't need the medication. And can help with mood disorders. So, every, you know, all of these approaches, you just made, gave me like an extra thing to put in my gratitude journal that I was on I prescription PPIs 
for years for side effects from the, you know, eight other prescriptions I was on back when I was not well. Um, so really grateful to know that I, my bone density is good and that didn't do. Good. And, and that goes to what we're saying too, right? There, there is, and we'll get into some other risk factors, um, but the, the body is resilient and we are designed to heal. So even, Correct. you know, not knowing what I didn't know back then, I feel better and I'm stronger and my bones are healthy, um, well, which I and, would and not have thought. Yeah. And and, and to your, your point, you know, we were talking before you started recording about celiac and the connection between celiac and osteoporosis. And the research shows that in, in, in children and young adults who are uh, osteoporosis can be the only sign of celiac disease. And once though you get them on a gluten-free diet, the bone density can reverse their bones can heal and, and become healthy Again, and similarly, people on prednisone commonly used for autoimmune diseases, that damages bone. It is so destructive. And most physicians know that and are aware of that. Right. And once you come off of the, 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 the prednisone, the dexamethasone, however, over time, that risk for fracture decreases. Now we don't know if it ever gets back to what it was before the medication, but it does de- it does decrease the risk for fractures once you're off that medication. Once you remove what's damaging it, right. your body has the opportunity to do what it wants to do anyway, which is heal and thrive, which is why like to your point about diet and nutrients and mental health, you know, we want to give the, the the body all of the raw materials, the environment in which our bodies can flourish and, and do the job that they want to do for us so we can feel amazing. And, and it is, I'll share, I don't think I've ever shared this on air before, but that was what we were chatting about before we started was um, my son who I now know has celiac, um, but when, before we knew, and, and again, if I knew then my kids, we laugh around the dinner table about my parenting skills when it comes to health (laughs) back then versus now, but Um, because he had horrible GI issues literally from birth and nobody ever said, you know, what, what are you eating? Or, you know, that was never part of the conversation. Um, But he was as, as a young kid, you know, like end of probably end of elementary school, beginning of middle school had osteopenia um, and they wanted to medicate him. And I I confess to you, that was probably my one good health-related parenting decision back then. I said, let's just wait. And luckily he was not long after diagnosed with celiac. We never did it. We never treated the bone health. He's 28 and his bones are great and he's healthy and strong. And it is the only thing he has, has done. He does not live a totally healthy lifestyle like his mother would like him to. But he's gluten free. Yeah. We all have that dynamic healed. with our kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. love them to eat better and sleep more. Uh huh. Please, please. Yeah. <laughs> I've got two of my own. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, um, luckily, you know, he's my oldest. My other two are, are a little more proactive <laughs> about full lifestyle. Um, yeah. But it is amazing, and I, so again, we think of this as an older, <laughs> an an aging issue, and it is not always an aging issue because of some of these these lifestyle factors. One thing kind of connected to age, but can happen pretty early on that I really do want to talk about um, is, is hormones and, and women, especially. Can you tie, tie that up in a bow for us? You know, why 
to me, that's a, that is a manageable risk factor. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. 80% of osteoporosis occurs in postmenopausal women. And the reason and again, why, <laughs> mm-hmm. again, yes. Yeah. Well, because if you look at Alzheimer's numbers or, you know, all of the, like all of these major life impacting health, chronic health conditions, that's where you just kind of fall off that cliff for risk. Right. If you're a woman. And, and what's happening with, with bones is a decrease in estrogen and progesterone during menopause. F- through menopause and for the 10 years after menopause is the fastest rate of bone loss in women. And that's because of that drop in estrogen. Estrogen is considered what's called an anabolic hormone. That means it builds bone. And why don't men suffer from this? Because you know we produce testosterone. Well, estrogen actually comes from testosterone in the body. So we have enzymes and the mechanism to take testosterone and convert it to estrogen. And so it's thought that the reason why men don't suffer with this is because they're not really getting that drop that change in, in hormone levels as dramatically as, as women are. And so when the estrogen drops, estrogen has many roles, like all hormones do in the body. One of them is to promote osteoblast activity, the bone building activity, promote collagen production. So bone is more like I mentioned the proteins in bone. It's more than just the column of minerals. One of the major protein in bone is collagen. And it's the collagen that gives bone its ultimate strength and flexibility collagen you know strand per strand is 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 the tensile strength is stronger than than steel and it's also flexible so having healthy collagen levels in bone allows somebody to fall for that impact to go through the bone be dispersed and the bone to deform a little bit and not be brittle to absorb it without breaking and so lowering estrogen decreasing estrogen also affects collagen. It also affects uh, sleep and insomnia is a risk factor for osteoporosis and fractures, not getting adequate uh, sleep. So that's why in postmenopausal women, you know, you, you're getting a higher rate of osteoporosis. Now that said, the assumption, unfortunately, if a physician has a postmenopausal woman coming to him or her, and they have osteoporosis, they're going to think, oh, it's just, it's menopause. But 30% of osteoporosis in postmenopausal women is caused by other things. Yes, the estrogen drop in estrogen is a contributing factor, but there are other things going on. And I, those almost never get evaluated. And you know, part of the challenge is how doctors are trained, what the economic incentives are in medicine. There was a study that came out a few years ago out of Europe that there's just a lot, doctors just aren't adequately trained in this disease to treat it how it needs to be, be treated. And I can go into that if, if you want, but the, the, the bottom line is, is there are um, ways to look at and evaluate through an intake form, you know, somebody's lifestyle, the medications they're taking, independent of the age that they are, to really understand are there other potential contributing factors here? And there are ways to evaluate a bone density test, a little more subtle 
nuanced evaluation of those test results that can point to a what's called a secondary cause, something else causing it, like a medication or a disease process, and not just the drop in estrogen. And so that's where my book hopefully is very helpful is it is it walks people through these different issues and provides questions for them to ask their doctor to make sure they're really getting the best possible information and advice so they can create make the best decisions for their, themselves and their health and create a holistic bone health plan to help reduce their fracture risk and and maintain bone strength which i think is is so important and your your book is such a gift because you know we're talking about I, I'm guessing, you know, that definitely the, the, it's the go-to resource for somebody when they hear they have osteoporosis or they're, or they were sent for a skin, you know, they're, they're in that realm where they're starting to talk to their doctor about, am I osteoporotic or not? But everything in your book, if we, if we were to just read it early, <laughs> Right. right? <laughs> Which is why you and I do what we do, right? It's yeah. yes, we want to help the people that are already, for me, it's already where I was. Um, but it, it's this, this is the knowledge. This is where there, there's the empowerment to heal, but there's also this empowerment to prevent. And so this is where I think your book is so impactful and so important. Um, and I want to, I could, do, we could talk for five hours. Like I already have a mental list of questions, um, but I want to touch on, so we, we talked about hormones and so I will, I'm not a physician, but bioidentical hormone replacement, I've had, you know, amazing, amazing cancer expert. I mean, you name a concern with bioidentical hormones and it's already been addressed on the podcast. They are, this is. I look at it this way. We, our hormones decline, like, cause we're just getting ready to shrivel and die and I don't want to shrivel and die. And so to keep bones healthy, brain healthy, your inflammation down, all mm -hmm. of the things um, that's, we can put that one aside. I want to talk about some of the other just lifestyle areas. You just, I'm so excited. You mentioned sleep. I'm such a geek about that. Again, brain health, all the things, right? We heal in our sleep. So it's not surprising that the people that aren't getting enough sleep, it's affecting your bones as well. Again, we think of them as like this separate part of the body and it's just part of the body. That's so true. I just quickly, uh, briefly to mention the, the hormones, I'm glad you brought it up. The research is clear that when it comes to bone health and osteoporosis, uh, hormone replacement therapy builds bone, but more importantly, it does reduce fractures. So one study showed overall a 40% reduction in fractures. Another specifically the most dangerous type of fracture, hip fractures, 28% reduction uh, in hip fractures, looking at a meta-analysis, you know, combining different studies together, the data. So it can be done safely. Uh, and we're just talking about getting things back into the normal range. Right. Not we're not talking about super crazy. high dose. It's just, you, you, <laughs> right. you're a little deficient, like, like a nutrient that you're deficient. And that's how I encourage people to think about it. If I'm deficient, low in iron, well, I'm just going to give myself some iron, uh, to take iron, to get me back in the normal, healthy range. Right. Right. right? And, and so I, I, okay, we can put that, <laughs> that one to rest. What else you mentioned a little bit? So we, you know, you touched on sleep and the importance of sleep. And and again, there are resources for all of us. So you know, not everybody is short on sleep because they're working too many hours. 
Um, so if right. you if you have sleep challenges, we've had episodes on the podcast with sleep specialists, and and there's a lot of ways to improve sleep. But what else should people? And I know it's it's all in the book, and I encourage everybody to get the book because the that's the beautiful thing. It's these are the lifestyle pillars for wellness. Period. No matter what condition, what this is just what these are the things our body needs to stay strong. Absolutely. The other thing I would want to touch on is supplementation because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there yeah. on the internet, a lot of mischaracterization of the the research. And when you look at bone health supplements out there, you can see a long list of ingredients in in some of them. Uh, calcium and vitamin D is commonly known and commonly recommended by all medical associations for bone health and osteoporosis. And, and I agree with that. That's a good recommendation because the research shows that, that taking and getting adequate amounts of calcium and vitamin D are associated with a 18 to 23% reduction in fracture risk. So again, not just about bone density, but what about fractures? Other than that- Question yes, on that though. Um, is calcium safe across the board for people to be supplementing if they just period? Great, great question. Uh, the current recommendations of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation and the American College of Preventive Cardiology is that taking calcium up to the um, uh, up to uh, two thousand to two thousand and five hundred milligrams per day. Um, you know, you can't get within that range. If you get up to 2000 to 200, 2,500 milligrams of total calcium a day, that should be avoided. That's dangerous. Okay. Taking it up to the USRDA of the recommended amount for bone at 1200 milligrams per day is considered uh, safe. And okay. there's no, what's interesting is so many doctors, I still, I get people coming to me and my doctor said, I need to take 1200 milligrams of calcium, or I need to take 1500 milligrams of calcium. And, and it's just the wrong recommendation because the U S recommended recommended daily allowance for any nutrient is the total intake that's from diet and dietary right. supplements and getting more than 1200 milligrams of calcium is not associated with any improved bone health outcomes. So that's really just what you need. And you definitely don't want to get you know up to 2000 to 2500, then you run into, into some, some risks. So the, the average American woman consumes about 800 milligrams of calcium in her diet. Okay. And the average American man, about a thousand milligrams of calcium. So just getting uh, about 400 milligrams as a dietary supplement is fine. And if you end up getting a little bit more, you know, if there's a buffer of safety, 500, 600, you know, 800, you know, you're still, you're still in that safe area, but being conscious that not everybody needs to be taking a thousand to 1200 milligrams, you know, the recommendation should be customized. And on average, you know, just getting 400 milligrams, that's really all, all you, you know, most, most people, frankly, uh, need. Uh, Thank with you for, for going into that one, because it, it's, I know I broke my shoulder, oh gosh, six years ago. And they did that at your age, you know, you need to be taking this much calcium. Well, I have cardiac concerns in my family. And there were reasons right. I chose not to, and they were shocked at how quickly I put bone back in. 
Um, I want a follow-up question. I'm a little afraid to ask it. I'm rolling the dice. I'm trusting in everything I've ever heard you say in other interviews. Yeah. Um, Because this is a question I get all the time as I'm working on reducing inflammation and gut healing and customizing, you know, nutrition plans for people. Do you have to consume dairy to get enough calcium? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, no, no. In fact, there's a blog on my website, you know, top non-dairy, 10 top non-dairy sources of calcium. No, you absolutely don't have to. (laughs) Thank Um, you. (laughs) You can. uh, Right. But but no, it's it's not it's not necessary. Uh, just quickly in terms of vitamin D, mm-hmm. I do advocate people get their vitamin D levels checked and tested. Yes. The research supports that for uh, fracture reduction, the maximum benefit is when your vitamin D is between thirty and forty four on the blood test nanograms per milliliter. Okay. Now, a lot of doctors, including myself, advocate even higher than that for immune health. Fifty to too. sixty. Oh, yeah. I go I, I go higher. Yeah, I, well, onion. fifty to sixty is what I love. I uh, mine is <laughs> higher than that. I do recommend typically higher, but fifty to sixty yeah. is the minimum. It's a baseline. Yeah, as a as a baseline. I, yeah. And I get so many people. Um, I do. I want to follow up or add to the <laughs> for listeners why you're saying that is because it's a fat soluble vitamin. So unlike a C or a B, you're not going to pee it out in the toilet, and we don't want you. It is important to test. People ask me all the time, "How much D should I be taking?" I'm like, "I don't know. Let me see your labs." <laughs> you know, like, right? Um, That's so, true. But the yeah. research support, if you take up 2,000 IU's of vitamin D, that's sufficient to get most people uh, in that healthy range pretty quickly as a minimum. Now, a lot of doctors will go higher. I, I take higher than that every day it as well. It took me it's safe eight higher. years on way higher than that to build up. You know, I was down in the, in the twenties, <laughs> yeah, uh, which I see a lot with, with my autoimmune patients. They'll come in, my clients will come in if yeah. they're not supplementing or they're taking 2000 and they're still below 30. It's, yeah. Well, it's there, there are cases though, where, where people do need higher than that. People, obesity, people who are obese, who have malabsorption issues, who have autoimmune conditions, they oftentimes need much higher doses than that to get their vitamin D up. So that 2000 units is, you know, just kind of for the general right. popu- population. So yeah. other nutrients that are, that are important. So the way that I look at the research and the way that I think about this and, and, and nutrients is what what nutrients have been shown in clinical trials not only to promote healthy bone density but to maintain strong bones as indicated by fewer fractures in clinical trial volunteers now as i said before there's a whole long list of nutrients that people you know companies are throwing into their supplements just like let's the kitchen sink let's just throw everything right. in there there are only four actually that that wow. meet that criteria only four and one of them i have safety concerns about so the two I already mentioned, calcium and vitamin D. Um, the third one I would mention is a specific form of vitamin K2 called MK4. Now in dietary supplements, people will see MK7 as a form of vitamin K2 and MK4 as a form of vitamin K2. Now they are both types of vitamin K2, but they're not the same molecule as we know in biochemistry. If you, you change one carbon atom, you can get overlapping benefits, overlapping activities, but also quite different activities as well. So MK7 in clinical trials has only been shown to slow down how fast somebody loses bone, 
how okay. fast they're losing that bone density. And there are no clinical trials, zero in volunteers showing that it reduces fractures as an outcome in the clinical trial. They just, it hasn't been studied as an endpoint. So it doesn't, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And it doesn't promote healthy bone density in terms of increasing bone density. It just slows down how fast somebody loses, how it slows down how fast somebody loses it. In contrast, MK4, and by the way, MK7 is not produced by humans, it's produced by bacteria. MK4 is the preferred form of vitamin K2 that accumulates in our bodies that we can actually manufacture small amounts of it. We can convert MK7, we convert vitamin K1 to MK4, but in much higher doses than you can get in diet, which is why you need to supplement with it, and much higher doses than what our own biochemistry can, can manufacture, MK4 has been shown to increase bone density, so promote healthy bone density and maintain strong bones as indicated by over 70% fewer fractures in clinical trials in postmenopausal women with osteoporosis. And that MK4 dose that was used in those clinical trials was 45 milligrams per day. And it's been so well studied that's been approved since 1995 by the Ministry of Health in Japan for bone health. There are over 25 clinical trials on it. Why with are thousands we so always late to the party in this country? <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole <laughs> that's another that's but, another podcast. That's a different different conversation. But, but the reason why I became an expert in in that in this research and lecture about it at medical uh, conferences is because when my mother-in-law fractured her hip and I was working with patients in my clinic and I started looking at the research, I, I learned about this powerful nutrient MK4 and there's nothing in the US at, that had that dose of MK4 in it. So wow. I created, that's why I created my company, NBI, to create solutions that didn't exist. So many products on the market do not have the combination or dose of nutrients shown in clinical trials to actually work. They maybe will cite a study, but then they'll use right. less of the or nutrient, a lower form. dose that was actually shown to even work. So I created my OsteoK minis and OsteoK formulas with that clinical dose of MK4 with calcium and vitamin D to be a very targeted bone support solution for uh, people. And the only difference between the formulations is the amount of calcium, like we talked about. Not everybody needs the higher amount. Some people need lower. So the OsteoK minis has less calcium. Interesting. And and so the fourth one that you have the qualifier. <laughs> yeah. The fourth one is strontium. And that's uh, people hear about that on the internet as well. Strontium is a mineral. It was approved in uh, the European Union for osteoporosis. And yes, strontium has been shown to improve bone density and reduce fractures. However, every clinical trial that's been done was on a form of strontium called strontium ranolate. That's what was approved in Europe and used as a medication. Strontium ranolate does not exist in the United States in dietary supplements. It's only a strontium citrate. There are no clinical trials on strontium citrate showing that it, it, it improves bone density or maintains strong bones. There are no fracture outcome studies on strontium citrate. And 
so we can assume, okay, well, let's assume um, that it's not really the ranolate part. It's not the citrate part that's doing the job. It's the mineral. It's the strontium that's that's actually having the benefit. So let's let's just, for argument's sake, give that benefit of a doubt. Well, what do the clinical trials in Europe show for strontium ranolate? Well, five of the six large clinical trials that were run that were part of the approval process showed that it only reduced hip, uh, vertebral fractures. It didn't oh. reduce hip fractures. Only one of the studies showed a statistically significant reduction in hip fractures. So it's not clear that it actually works to reduce the most dangerous type of fracture. Importantly, post-marketing research determined, however, that for every one fracture that's prevented, the strontium medication was creating blood clots that could cause strokes and heart attacks. Well, so for every one no person thanks. you're helping, you're potentially giving somebody a stroke and a, and a heart attack. So it was removed from the market. Now, strontium citrate may be safe. It may not. We don't know. And in addition to that, strontium as a mineral incorporates into bone. Bone, strontium is heavier than calcium. And so what happens in a bone mineral density test, the, the x-rays of a bone density test bounce off the minerals and they, the way that they bounce off, the angle that they create when, it's, when they're deflected is then interpreted by the machine. And, and that's what calculates the test results, what's called the T-score and a Z-score. That's what determines your bone density. But because strontium is heavier, it changes how the x-rays bounce off a of bone and creates a false bone density test result. So, so despite the fact that bone density tests have their limitations, I, I personally want them to be as accurate as possible right. because it is one indication. It's not the most important indicator of your fracture risk, but it is one important indicator. Wow. Well, that I, I know I'm not trying it. <laughs> um, and I'm very experimental and I want to, I want to touch on, you have this supplement company because again, out of necessity, right. You weren't able yeah. to, as you're doing the research to provide your patients with the supplementation that you knew would help them. Um, can you define supplements for me? <laughs> oh, great, great question. I love people that. just think, fine, I'll just take the supplements and the other stuff just seems like it's too much work. Right. Not a good attitude, in my opinion. <laughs> not the best attitude. And that's, to be fair, they're probably not listening to this podcast if that's their <laughs> attitude, but we all know those yeah. people. <laughs> so I agree with the FDA. And, and really recommend people take dietary supplements as the FDA and the law intended. That is as a supplement to a healthy diet. Diet and lifestyle are always first. That's why in my treatment plans, there, there is always, and there was always diet and lifestyle first. The supplements were just to support those processes in the body. Now, dietary supplements are not approved by the FDA to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any you know, diseases they should be viewed and used as a supplement to promote health, promote healthy physiology, to promote bone health. And with respect to diet, there are certainly reasons why people will want to supplement. So for example, 
MK4 is in dairy products, but you can't get enough of the MK4 that's been shown to support bone physiology and bone health. You have to supplement in order to get that higher amount. And by the way, as an aside, the MK4 has been uh, studied not only in postmenopausal osteoporosis, but because we mentioned medications before, there are multiple clinical trials showing that it stopped and reversed uh, the improve the bone density tests in people taking medications like prednisone and luprolide, for example. So it's been studied in different situations. Yeah. So back to the supplements. So there are other reasons why you should supplement. Protein is a good uh, indicator, I believe. A lot of people, even if they're, they're saying I'm following such a healthy diet, are not getting enough protein, adequate protein as we age to, to maintain muscle mass. I would say most people, and especially women, women just tend not to focus on protein. Yeah. So based on the research, I recommend people get a minimum of uh, 1.3 grams of protein per kilogram body weight per day. And this is in my book now. Now we don't really think in kilograms, we think in pounds. So if you just take your body weight in pounds and you multiply it by 0.59, that's the minimum amount of protein people should be getting. Unless of course they have, you know, chronic kidney disease or on dialysis and they've been put on a, a, a low protein diet. Sure. Right. Sure. And that can be difficult to get that amount of protein in diet. And so that's where a protein supplement can, can be helpful. Uh, similarly supplementing with a collagen supplement, which has been Collagen has been shown to promote healthy bone density, support bone density, support healthy, you know, skin and nails and that sort of thing. Then, you know, maybe you protein are the building blocks of collagen. So if you're getting enough collagen, enough protein, then you know, your body can produce collagen, but you also can supplement with a collagen dietary supplement that has hydro, hydro, um, hy- hydrolyzed collagen peptides in it mm-hmm. that are the, 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 the building blocks of collagen. You're just giving your body the building blocks in a concentrated form to produce more collagen. Love that. Such, such amazing advice. And again, this is where, you know, I cannot recommend enough, like picture, pick up fracture proof your bones, because as I said, anybody listening this has to be somewhere, you know, on your mind or should be on your radar. Um, and it is something that that I, I joke, you know, as I not joke, it's true. As I work with women, I work with men also, but again, numbers, right? I work with more women. Um, right. And to change those those dynamics of how children are growing up, you know, this the with lifestyle forward, thinking and, and, you know, actual education on, you know, what is, what is a healthy lifestyle and what does it include also is like, like, Hey, let's protect our bone health as we go. I mean, I have three like really active athletic kids. I'm an equestrian and my daughter's in a competitive equipment. We need our bones to be healthy. I mean, we're going to tumble if we're having fun. So <laughs> at any age, it, it's, it's important to be aware of. And, and I think the book is, is great. I'm excited about the, the resources, um, you know, just your supplement lines so that people can actually get the dosage and, and the forms of these supplements that they need, I think is, is so important. So I'm glad you answered the call. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 
So before we wrap, what is one step that listeners can take today to start to improve their, we'll go with bone health? <laughs> Great question. I think one one step is especially, and I'm talking to people who um, have a diagnosis of osteoporosis. So okay. people who have gotten that bone density test result, they've gone into their, their, their doctor to review it. They have the diagnosis oftentimes, almost a hundred percent of the time, not a hundred percent, but most of the time, the doctors are recommending a, a medication right away. Now medication yep. may or may not be a good recommendation for you, but I hear over and over people come to me and they've just felt so much pressure to start the medication immediately when they have that, that first uh, visit with the doctor where they reviewed the test results. They've had no time to let anything sink in and they're being told they have to take this medication. And I just counsel people, take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath. This is not an emergency. There is time to educate yourself and put a holistic plant bone health plan together that works for you. And a medication may be part of that, but right. not necessarily. And so that's where my book is an important resource because it walks people through uh, doing just that. Questions to ask their doctor to make sure they're getting the best advice, including on medications and how to create step-by-step -step a bone health program that makes sense for them. I love that. And this is all back to my goal in life is empowering people, right? It's we we have input and and it's our body. And so we need to educate ourselves so we can ask the right questions and not fall for the scare tactic of, you know, nobody lost their their bone density overnight. So I love right. that you say this is not like, you know, you don't have to address it this week with medication. And and I always qualify too. I'm not anti-prescription either. There's a time and a place. Absolutely. Um, but it it's it, Nobody was born with a medication deficiency. And so if we if we look at the lifestyle areas first, <laughs> that right. definitely will help. And even even again, if you need the prescription, that's great. But doing addressing lifestyle is going to help support health overall as it is. So I love that advice. Without a doubt. You're absolutely right. Yep. For people that are listening on the go and are not going to click the show notes, where is the best place to find you? My website is the best place, nbihealth.com. The, the company is Nutritional Biochemistry Incorporated or NBI. And the URL, the website is nbihealth.com. John, thank you so much. You have given us a lot to think about. <laughs> a lot of amazing gold today. Thank you. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did today. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, 
This is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back. 